This is our first class for the sisters in which we will be covering the Risala Takarimul Islam Lermara. We will be covering the treaties, the honor of Islam for the woman. And this risala is by the noble Sheikh Abdul Razak Ibn Abdul Mursin al-Badr Hafidhuhum Allah Ta'ala May Allah preserve him and his father. One of the noble scholars, the son of a noble scholar, both of them there in Al-Madina and Nabawiyah. And this topic was chosen due to the great importance of 
woman in al-Islam and Islam's honor for the woman and especially in this day and time where you have the adversaries of Islam who put out false information as it relates to Islam's position on woman and the status of woman in Islam as from that which is propagated that Islam oppresses women or that women are like second-class citizens in Islam or Islam treats women like they're in the Stone Age or women they have no rights in Islam and other than that from the falsehood that is propagated by the adversaries of Islam and what is their goal behind this from their goals is to discourage or to tarnish the image of Islam so they can discourage people from entering into Islam especially the woman so they say bad things about Islam and how Islam treats women badly and so now, if a woman, she hears this, she doesn't, she doesn't want to enter into Islam. Or even a man may hear this and may not want to enter Islam. Say, oh man, they treat their woman bad. Islam treats the woman bad. They do this as a means of attacking women who are already Muslims, but may not be strong in knowledge. They may be new Muslim out, so they still have some weakness. There's still matters that they haven't learned yet. So, you know, Islam says this about the woman, and to make them have doubt in the religion and then leave the deen. They lie upon Islam and distort the image of Islam and come under the guise that they are freeing and liberating the Muslim woman from the oppression and the darkness of Islam. These are the things that these individuals are coming with. You look at what's taking place in France right now and them banning the hijab. You know under what guise they're doing that? That they are liberating the Muslim woman from oppression. Now this is supposed to be a free land, free country. People have freedom of religion, except the Muslim woman cannot have the freedom to wear hijab if they want to because they are freeing our woman from persecution and oppression. They just don't understand and know it. It's important that, well, there's this old, old saying, democracy is hypocrisy. Well, as an old saying, democracy is hypocrisy. 
They say democracy and freedom of religion in one breath and then turn around and say, ban hijab, ban niqab, in another breath. And then all the other quote-unquote free countries just stand back and watch it and don't say anything. What happened to the defense of democracy and the freedom of religion? They invade other countries to give people freedoms. And then here it is, the freedoms of the Muslims are being taken away and nothing is said. So they say democracy is hypocrisy. In any event, we're not going to turn this into a political situation. Right? But truth is truth. Our women need to understand their role in Islam is a great one. And their status in Islam is a great status. And that they are not second class citizens, that they have rights, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored them, and the Prophet has honored them, and they are to be honored by the Muslim men. Now, does this mean that there are not Muslim men who have oppressed Muslim sisters? No, there are. This has happened. And possibly maybe one of us sitting in this masjid has done something wrong to a Muslim woman. May Allah forgive us for our shortcomings. But that's not what Islam says. One must distinguish between what Islam says as relates to how women ought to be treated and then what a Muslim does. Just because a Muslim has done something doesn't mean that that's what Islam says. And this is a very important point. As Islam is not to be judged by the actions of the Muslims, but the actions of the Muslims are to be judged by Islam. And one of the mashaykh, he mentioned a beautiful point to me. He was saying that here, was, I was in Saudi at the time. Here in Saudi, this is a Muslim country. Islam is known pretty, you know. If a Muslim does something wrong, we just say, oh, jahil. This person is ignorant. This person is foolish. But in your country, if a Muslim does something wrong, the people say, that's Islam. Because the people don't know no better. They can't distinguish between what's Islam and the action of a Muslim. Not all actions of the Muslims are from Islam. Case in point, those who carry out terroristic attacks. I'm talking about when Muslims have done this. Not talking about some propaganda and people blaming Muslims for doing something they didn't have them to do. I'm talking about they are actually Muslims, unfortunately, due to ignorance, they have done stuff like blow up places and stuff, thinking that what they're doing is correct. There are Muslims who have done this. Okay, is that right? No. Is that Islam? No. That's the action of those Muslims who are ignorant and don't know no better. And the action is rejected. And the action is condemned. The action is not something that's praiseworthy in Islam. So likewise, if there is a man, a Muslim man who has beat his wife, you know, and has uh, done domestic violence against his wife, we say that's wrong. That's not from Islam. And we don't deny what's from Islam. We don't hide our creed. We don't hide our practices. The Quran is clear. I remember one time uh, I seen an interview. 
this Imam, um, Sufi Imam, Zaid Shakir, a kafir was interviewing him. So the kafir said, Does the Quran allow beating of the woman? Is beating of the woman allowed in the Quran? And Zay Shaka's like, no, no, that doesn't know. There's no way. And then the Kafa had the English translation. He said, Well, what about this verse right here? And pointed to the verse where it's mentioned the beating. But instead of him saying, Yes, there is a verse in the Quran that mentions that, however, people take it out of context. The meaning is not what you think it to mean of the strike or the hitting or the beating. It's not what you think it is. It's not what you people do here in America of domestic. He should have came back like that. But he went and denied it and said, no, it's not in the Quran. And then the Kafir had the, I don't know why he didn't know that the Kafir was going to have the, the, the translation, of the, uh, the English translation of the Quran there. And it was a set up question. But he was so busy trying to defend Islam by any means necessary, it made him look like he was a liar. Public um, public interviews, or I'm probably finding on YouTube, there was some many years ago. And he was like, no, no, no. That's just... And then when the Kafir pulled out the verse and showed him the verse, then he says, no, 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 it doesn't mean that. It should have said that from the beginning. No, that verse doesn't mean that the man punched a woman in her face and bruising her and scarring her body. Quran has been explained by the Prophet Sallallahu by the Sahaba. It was the hitting of like a miswak, a siwak. This is not it's not a siwak, that's my pen, but I have a siwak in holding it. Don't look at it. Here we go, right here. See this? See this little siwak right here? Right, you see this? You cannot hurt a woman with this. And the intent is not the, uh, to, to hurt her anyway. It's more so to get her attention, hey, listen, you need to stop what you're doing. You miss. It's that. It's not, you know, what the people are doing here in America. And you look at the, the, the domestic violence uh, cases here in America, through the roof. Through the roof. Have some Muslims fallen into that? Yes. Is that justified by the Quran? No. Is that justified by the Sunnah? No. So in these classes, the Convict and the Ayatollah, like these things would be discussed. And these doubts that the people try to bring regarding that Islam oppresses women, these are going to be refuted, be ithni ta'ala. And this is to give our Muslim women, our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, the wives, you know, the aunts and the cousins, the, the Muslim women of this ummah, to give them the proper tools to defend what they practice, number one. Number two, and this is really number one, to let them know that their status is an honored one and they are not oppressed in Islam. Even if a Muslim has done something wrong to them, that's not what Islam says. This is from the intent of these classes that we're going to be conducting by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh mentions in the introduction Alhamdulillah aladhi akmala lana ad-deen wa atamma alayna al-ni'ma wa ja'ala ummatana ummat al-islam khayru ummah 
وبعث فينا رسولا منا يتلو علينا اياته ويزكي ويزكينا ويعلمنا الكتاب والحكمه والصلاه والسلام على من بعث رحمه للعالمين وقدوه للعاملين ومحجه للسالكين وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين so the shaykh begins by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and indeed all praise is due to Allah and Allah is deserving to be praised for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the possessor of the beautiful names and lofty attributes this is one reason why Allah is deserving to be praised because Allah is the possessor of the beautiful names and lofty attributes Allah is perfect Allah has no deficiencies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no shortcomings. Everything about Allah is perfect and complete. So for this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of all praise. The second reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of all praise, due to the, the bounties, the ni'm, that he has bestowed upon mankind. So for that reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of all praise. Because whatever we have of a blessing, indeed it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions in Surah Al-Nahl, وَمَا بِكُمْ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ And whatever you have of a blessing, it is from Allah. Whatever you have of a blessing, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all the blessings we have, and we experience and we enjoy, Allah has to be praised for that. So when we say Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah, we praise Him because of He's perfect and complete, His lofty names and uh, the attributes. And we say Alhamdulillah because He's the one who has given us the blessings and the bounties. So he says, all praise is due to Allah, the one who has completed for us the religion and perfected upon us the bounties and the blessings. Allah has given us the best way of life, Islam. This way of life is a complete way of life. This way of life is a complete way of life. Islam covers every aspect of human life. Your relationship with Allah, your relationship with the creation, your relationship with yourself. Belief, worship, character, business transactions, dealings. Islam has come to preserve five things. Has come to preserve your religion, your relationship with Allah. Islam has come to preserve life, to make sure innocent people are not killed and their life is not violated, their blood is not violated. Islam has come to preserve uh, your mind, your mind state, your intellect. So Allah has prohibited intoxicants so that you don't corrupt your mind. Islam has come to preserve your wealth. So stealing is haram, gambling is haram. Swindling people and tricking people out of their money, this is haram, because Islam comes to preserve the wealth. And lastly, Islam comes to preserve the lineage in, in your honor. So zina is haram. Fornication and adultery is haram because Islam has come to preserve the honor of the people and the lineage of the people.
So Allah has completed this deen and perfected this favor. And He made our ummah, the ummah of Islam, the best nation. As Allah mentions in Surah Ali Imran, Kuntum khayra ummatan ukhrijat linnas. Ta'muruna bil ma'rufi wa tanhawna al munkar wa tu'minuna billah. You are the best nation brought out from mankind. You enjoy the good and you forbid the evil. And you believe in Allah. Allah, this, we are the last nation. After 70 nations. We're the last nation. But we're the best. We're the last to come, but the first to enter into paradise. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. We're the last ummah. We are the last ummah. And our time is the shortest time. Yeah, go back to the narration where the Prophet mentioned Sallallahu about the, the example of the nations are like the men who were hired to work and if one, one group of people work from like Fajr to Duhur and another work from Duhur to Asa and then we work that this we, we are like the ones who work from Asa to Maghrib but we got the greater reward. Now our time is the shortest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, but even with all of that, the Prophet still made du'a that we are the, the greatest ummah. On the Yom Al-Qiyamah, we have the most followers. And you got to look at it. We, we have one Prophet. Bani Israel had prophets. After one, after another, one after. There's even narrations where there was a time that Bani Israel killed thousands of prophets at one time. And they go back to the Tafsir, Ibn Kathir, you'll see those narrations in it, but... They have many prophets. Many prophets. We one prophet for this woman. And you look at it, um, 1400 years, 1442 years, or a little bit more than that, 1400 and let's say, um, that's 1455 years. Right? 13 years in, in the Mecca, and then, yeah. so you add the 13 to the 1442. 1455, that's not a long time in comparison to the other nations. But we're the best of them. Allah made us the best. Because we have the best Prophet, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have the best book, the Quran. Even though all of the books, that's Allah's speech. The Injil, the Torah, the Zabur, the Suhaf of Ibrahim, Suhaf of Musa, and the other books that we don't know their names, but we know they were other books. The Quran is the best of all of those books. And the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the best of all of the prophets. The ones we know of and the ones we don't know of. So look what Allah mentions. Kuntum khayra ummatan you are the best nation brought out from mankind. This is a very important point that we must understand as Muslims. We are supposed to be the best of the people for the people. We are supposed to be the best examples in this dunya as it relates to integrity, being upright, righteousness, piety, being Fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're supposed to be the best example. I remember one time, I used to work security years ago before I went to Egypt. 
and um, there was a, there was this this non-Muslim that I used to do some business with me, another brother, and he was complaining to us about a brother who he worked for and he didn't pay him. But we, we we knew about this, you know, because the Muslims he didn't pay either, you know. There was, you know, so it was some situations, discrepancies sometimes when it comes to payday and stuff. So he was complaining, but what stood out is when he said, "Man, how he can do this to me? Man, y'all supposed to be the best people, man." Just like that, man. That hurt when he said that. Because remember, me and the, me and the brother, we looked at each other. We couldn't even defend the brother because it happened to Muslims. So we knew what he was talking about. You know, we just try to say, listen, man, this is not Islam. This is not our way. We don't, you know. But when he said to me, man, how could he do this to me, man? Y'all supposed to be the best people. He's right. We are supposed to be the best people for the people. Allah says that. You are the best nation brought out for mankind. So our behavior has to reflect that statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our interaction with the people must reflect that. Just as... The Prophet's character reflected that when he dealt with the Kuffar. Even in times of war, the Prophet wasn't deceitful as it relates to if he made a contract and an agreement, he, he stuck to it. He wasn't a liar, he didn't make an agreement and didn't go behind and break the agreement. And especially in times when there was not war and it was peace. And look how the Prophet him dealt with his neighbors. From the Jews who lived in Medina And how he treated them And how he You know they lived peacefully Under The Muslim rule in Medina And no one was violated And if a, and if a, and if a Jew Had a, a gripe with a Muslim And the Jew was in, was, was in the right And the Muslim was in the wrong The Prophet them were ruled in favor of the Jew because this is the haq. The Prophet didn't just side with the Muslim because the person is a Muslim. The Prophet was just. His character is out of the Quran, and the Quran commands that we be just. So we are the best nation when we implement that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. We didn't be the best of the, in general. We are the best nation, but as individuals, we the we, we, we are the best of the people when we are implementing what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tell us to implement, enjoining the good, forbidding evil, and most importantly, believing in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And He mentions, and He sent amongst us a messenger from ourselves, reciting. Upon us his verses And purifying us And teaching us the book And the wisdom And this, that goes back to the statement Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Huwa ladhi give the, give the water out Give the water out to the brothers That's what the water say to give out to the people Jazakallah khairan Thank you Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, "Whoever 
He is the one, meaning Allah, who sent amongst the unlettered people a messenger from themselves, reciting to them his verses, purifying them and teaching them the book and the wisdom, even though prior to that, they were in clear manifest error. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent the Messenger sallallahu from amongst mankind and then specifically from amongst the Arab to do what? To recite to them the verses of Allah, to educate them. To recite to them the verses of Allah and to purify them because the knowledge is a means of purification. This deen is a deen that purifies the individual from the impurities of shirk, from the impurities of bid'ah, from the impurities of kufr and ma'asi. The deen, when practiced and when implemented, it purifies your soul. And what a beautiful introduction the Shaykh has mentioned for our sisters. These points are for our sisters, for the brothers too who are listening in, but the sisters, please understand this, that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purifies the soul. The teachings of the Qur'an, the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu are a means of purification. There is nothing that Allah has legislated in the Qur'an or on the, or on the tongue of the Messenger sallallahu that's going to be a detriment for your soul. That's going to make your soul impure. No, it's going to purify your soul and not make your soul impure. But that which the kuffar are calling you to and the criminals are calling you to, my noble sisters in Islam, that's what's going to make your soul impure. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he teaches the people the kitab and the hikmah. What's the hikmah here, Isa? The sunnah, sallallahu The sunnah is the hikmah. And what is hikmah in, in the Arabic language? The meaning, the scholars, they said, Putting something in its proper place. That's hikmah. The opposite of hikmah is dhulm. To put something in other than its proper place. That's oppression. The sunnah puts everything in its proper place, alhamdulillah, because it's revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sunnah is not just the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa no, it's the revelation from Allah to the Prophet sallallahu that he spoke with. The revelation from Allah to the Prophet sallallahu that he implemented. Even though prior to that, meaning prior to the messenger coming to them, they were in clear manifest error. And for our sisters who accepted Islam and were not raised upon Islam from a Muslim family, and they had their taste of jahiliyyah, the time of ignorance before the Islam, you can attest that 
prior to the guidance coming to you, you were misguided. And some of the sisters, and this goes for the brothers too, their misguidance was stronger and greater than others' misguidance. This, these are facts. Prior to Islam coming to us, we were astray. Just like the Sahaba, you know, who were committing shirk. Prior to the Prophet coming, وسلم, and then the guidance reached them and Allah favored them and guided them. And the Sahaba spoke about that, how one said he had a date, like a date, a tamar, that he used to worship. But then when he got hungry, he ate his God. It's misguidance. It's misguidance. Some of the Sahaba prior to Islam were involved in zina. Right? Like the Sahaba, I believe his name was Murthad. He used to go to Mecca and free like the Muslims and carry them to Medina. And he seen a woman he used to deal with prior to Islam. And she was like, yeah, Murtha, marhaban, like, you know, <laughs> like, he was like, you know, I can't do that no more. And then she, re oh, he's Muslim. So she started yelling, oh, someone, someone's taking away the Muslims. And I get him, like, you know, she, you know, she blew the spot up on him. And he, you know, he took off and got back to the Prophet Sallallahu and, you know, mentioned, like, you know, can he marry her? And the Prophet says, not halal. She's like a Zania and stuff like that. It, it was, but that was his life prior to Islam. Alhamdulillah, once he was guided, that was it. He stopped. He didn't go back to that way. And this is very important that once people become uh, accept Islam, and for those of us who accepted Islam, those old ways that we had prior to Islam, we can't go back to that stuff. We have to let, let it go. Can't go backwards. So Allah guided us. We have to be grateful for the guidance and move forward. This doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we got to do our best to stay away from those old habits that we had prior to Islam. The Shaykh mentions And may the Salah and the Salam be upon the one who Allah who has been sent as a mercy to the creation. Allah Azzawajal mentions in the Quran in Surah Al Anbiya, Wama Arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alameen. And we have not sent you, meaning you, O Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We have not sent you except as a mercy to the creation. The Prophet wasallam is a rahmah from Allah to all of mankind, even to animals. The Prophet was merciful to animals through his teachings. The Prophet wasallam mentioned how a woman will go to the hellfire because of a cat. Because she tied the cat up and she didn't feed the cat and then she didn't allow the cat to roam the earth and eat from the vermins of the earth. And then the prophet mentioned how a man will go to paradise because he gave a dog a drink of water and then the prostitute from Bani Israel, a prostitute, selling her body, committing zina. She seen a thirsty dog, she gave the dog 
something to drink, Allah forgave her for the sins of prostitution. Allah is merciful. And that narration is a proof against who? What group of deviants? Anyone? Khawarij. How? Because they don't believe, they believe major sins take out all the Islam. Alright. So she was, she was committing a major sin and she yeah. did, she fed, she, she gave the dog a drink of water and it was a means that Allah forgave her. It's really like something when you think about it. And that was for Bani Israel. Yeah. So how much more so for us? As Allah, the rules are less strenuous upon us than it was upon them. Nah. So the Prophet is a mercy for the creation. The Prophet is an example for those who practice, who do work. As Allah mentions, the Shaykh he goes on to say that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he is one who is like a path for the people to tread on, meaning his way is, is the correct way for the people to traverse upon. And also may the Salah and Salam be upon his family and companions in their entirety or in its entirety. And this shows that the Shaykh he's not a Shiite. He doesn't curse the companions. And he's not from the the Nawas of those who have enmity and hatred for the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Amma وَلَا يَقْبَلْ مِنْهُمْ دِينًا سِوَاءً يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَلْيَوْمَ أَكَمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَةِ وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمْ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ إِنَّ الدِّينَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الْإِسْلَامِ وَيَقُولُ تَعَالَىٰ وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَمَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْ وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ وَيَقُولُ تَعَالَىٰ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَقَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِسْيَانَ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الرَّاشِدُونَ فَضْلًا مِنَ اللَّهِ وَنِعْمَةً وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ the blessing of Allah upon his Muslim servant is magnificent. The blessing of Allah upon his Muslim servant is magnificent. And his favor and kindness to him is, is major, it's great. By him guiding him to this magnificent deen and religion, the way of life, the deen of Islam, the deen of Allah which Allah is pleased with for his servants, the deen of Allah which he has completed for them, 
the deen of Allah, which Allah does not accept from them any deen, any way of life other than it. My sisters in Al-Islam, you are living in a blessing, or you are blessed. You know, a lot of people, they like to say, somebody asks them, how are you doing? People say, they respond, I'm blessed. Sisters, you are really blessed. You have the, you definitely have the right to say that you are blessed, more so than the kuffar of the dunya, when they, oh, I'm blessed. No, the Muslims are truly blessed. And this includes you, noble sisters in our Islam. You are truly blessed because Allah has favored you to be believing woman. And so this is an important point to make note of, that you are favored and you are blessed because you are a believer. Allah chose you to be a believing woman. And Allah honored you. By allowing you to be guided to Islam. This is an honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you. And also, this is a major and great bounty and blessing. Could you ask the brother to please? Jazakallah So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon you my noble sisters, a, a tremendous and great favor and blessing. And this is by way of him guiding you to Islam, to this magnificent deen. This wallahi Islam is a magnificent way of life. It's a complete way of life. You compare Islam to the different walks of life that, that are out there, you name it, Christianity, Atheism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and all other isms and schisms, Islam will outshine them all the time. As the Prophet said, Al-Islam ya'alu wa la It's the statement of the Prophet that Islam is superior and never inferior. Well, as Allah mentions, He is the one who sent his messenger with the guidance in the religion of truth to be uppermost and superior to every other religion. Even though the polytheists hate Islam is superior One may ask Well if Islam is so superior Why the Muslims are oppressed And why the Muslims are Islam is superior The deen itself is superior As for us as Muslims There are times when we are superior And there are times when we may be inferior What times are we inferior? When we are sinning And disobeying Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He places over us those who don't fear Him because we didn't fear Him. So it's like Al-Jazab and Jansalama. So the point that was um, being made, Wa alaykum that Islam is superior. Superior to all other ways of life. 
As for the Muslims, there may be a situation where we are inferior, and this can be due to our sins. And there is some speech from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala concerning this. And this is what I, uh, was, sh- I was sharing uh, before I got the, the message that we got cut off. And again, apologies to our listeners. Um, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he mentioned, وَحَيْثْ ظَهَرَ الْكُفَّارِ فَإِنَّمَا ذَاكَ لِذُنُوبِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ الَّتِي أَوْجَبَتْ نَقْصَ إِيمَانِهِمْ ثُمَّ إِذَا تَابُوا بِتَكْمِيلِ إِيمَانِهِمْ نَصَرَهُمُ اللَّهِ Wheresoever the kuffar are victorious over the Muslims, Indeed, that is only due to the sins of the Muslims, which necessitated a deficiency in their faith. Then when they repent, they leave off those sins, and they go back to the obedience of Allah, with the completion of their faith, meaning going back to being obedient, Allah aids them. So sometimes the persecution that we as Muslims face is due to our sins and that humiliation that comes with that is due to our sins and then you have other time when Muslims and believers are persecuted and they are righteous people it's not due to sins and this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like Allah mentioned regarding the people of the ditch وَمَا نَقَمُوا مِنْهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَمِيدِ and they did not have any crime or anything against them except that they believed in Allah, the Almighty, the All Praiseworthy. Also, you look at the um, like the stories that come in the narrations about how the people were tortured and punished by the disbelievers. They didn't do that. they didn't do anything wrong. They were tortured for their iman. She asked yeah. Right? She was tortured because she believed. The, 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 people, the magicians who became Muslims, they were killed by Fir'aun because they believe. That's not a humiliation for them. That's an honor. They, they, they died as martyrs. They were killed for their belief. So, a calamity, and this was the point that was mentioned before, uh, while the, the connection was cut off, the calamity can strike a place and for one group of people it is a punishment and for another group of people it is a test and a means of raising their status a test in the means of raising their status. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned 
Whoever Allah wants good for, He afflicts him from it, meaning the tests, the trial hardships. Prophet also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ashaddun Nas Bala'in Al Anbiya, Thumma Salihun, Thumma Amthal Fa'anthal. Those who have the most severe tests are the prophets. And then the righteous, and then those similar to them, and then those similar to them. These tests that the prophets have been afflicted with, is it due to sins? No, not at all. It's a test. For sure, and to raise their level when they when they display patience. It's not a punishment. Look at Yusuf in prison for years. Sometimes people go to prison because they're criminals. He wasn't a criminal. Not him. Right, not him. But then you have others. Most probably most people in jail are criminals, even though all everybody's saying they're innocent. But right, but then you have people who are, in, who are in prison that are actually innocent. That happens. I mean, how many times do we see after 20, 30 years of a person's life in prison, now they finally find out he was innocent? Like, person's entire life basically gone in, in prison. And then look at the Prophet Ayyub, they said he was sick for 18 years. It wasn't because of him being a sinner. And, right? Ibrahim, they said was thrown into a fire, not because he was a sinner. Right? So sometimes calamities can befall a person, trials and tribulations can befall a person, things can happen to a person. It's not due to the person's sins. And this is why we should not be so quick to judge people when we see them going through hard times. Don't automatically think, oh, Allah is punishing the person. Right. Don't automatically think Allah is punishing the person, especially if the person is known for righteousness. We should have good thoughts about the person that Allah is testing the person. But ourselves, we should have bad thoughts about ourselves because we know our shortcomings. We know the things we do that we don't have no business doing. So when we get afflicted for calamity or hardship, we should think we have to make tawbah. I need to make tawbah. I did something wrong. You know, this is why the situation didn't turn out correct and give me, even though it was a good situation, I did something wrong. I fell short somewhere. This is how we should be. This is how the Salaf they were. They looked at themselves. They didn't like point the finger, be looking at them, somebody else going, oh, you sinning, so Allah is punishing you. No, they thought good. Allah is testing the righteous. But for themselves, they looked at themselves, I have fallen short somewhere. I have to repent. And they will repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they were the best of the people. Now. What about the entire community or the nation is being afraid? <clears throat> it depends. It can be people who are punished, and there can be people who are being tested. Because we don't know every individual situation to say 100% a fact everybody's being punished. You can't, you can't make no statement like that. You don't know everybody in order for you to say that they're all being punished. No. We can say there's a calamity upon them. Calamity upon them. For sure. But then for some people that calamity may be a punishment for them. Sheikh, I understand what you're saying And I'm, my, my, my answer is going to be the same For some people And Allah knows best It may be a punishment for them I don't know the individual You understand? Right. Because in order to say That the person is being punished You have to know the person that the person is a sinner 
person disobedient, wicked individual, opposing. So Allah put the enemy over him as a means of punishment for him. You understand? That happens. But that happens to some people. But then now, amongst those same people, you have people who've been enjoying the good and forbidding the evil, people who've been making their salah upon iman, calling the people to do good, calling the people to repent, and they happen to get caught in the tsunami. Oh, okay. Yeah. They happen to get caught in the siege. They happen to get caught in the oppression and everything that's going on in the world. So our Muslim brothers and sisters, for sure there's righteous people amongst them. And we have good thoughts. But it's a possibility there's a wicked person amongst them who's going, who's going through that. That would be a, his punishment. Not the right... Not the, for the righteous people, Shaykh, is a test. The statement of Allah, وَمَا... Oh, that was the door. وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ Whatever befalls you of a calamity is from what your own hands have earned. That verse is for the sinners. That That's for the sinners. That's what Allah is speaking about there. That is from what your own hand, meaning because of your sins, this calamity has befallen you. Can we say that about every single person in a place that a calamity has? No, we can't. We don't have the right to say that. Because we don't know every single person to make a, a, a general blanket statement over everybody. Oh, they're all being punished. How can you say that they're all being punished? You don't know everybody to say they, they're all being punished. So this goes for whatever's happening around the world in Palestine, what's happening in China, what's happening in other places than that, what's happening in India. We, you, one cannot say every single body that has been persecuted or every single body that has, is, is the, the, the enemy is over them, oppressing them. You can't say that every, they all being punished. How you know? Perhaps from amongst them is the righteous people. It's a those it's a test for them. So sometimes, again, the calamity that comes to a place, right? For one group of people, it's a punishment. For another group of people, it's a test. And then we have like the incidents in the Quran when Allah just sent a punishment down on all of the people because they disbelieved. And then the believers from amongst them were saved. Right? The people of Noah, the people of Lud, the people of Ad, the people of Thamud. Right? The people of Median. Their stories are there in the Quran. When Allah would destroy towns, destroy a whole people, a whole uh, race of people, just wipe them off the face. They don't even exist anymore. The remnants of the existence are present. You can see the, 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 the carved out homes they did into the mountains. That stuff is still there. You won't find none of the people. Right. Right. They all disbelieve. We can say for a fact they all were punished. Right. Because they all disbelieved, except for those, the few who were with those messengers that were saved. That's the point. But now, what confirmation do we have that our brothers and sisters that are being punished and persecuted and tortured, wherever they are being, this is happening to them, that all of them are being, we can't say that. We don't have the right to say that. would be oppression to make a statement like that. It would be ignorance to make a statement like that. So, you know, we make dua for them, you know, and, and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, you know, save them. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he had made a dua. اللهم نجي المستضعفين من المؤمنين
this is a dua that we make whenever Muslims are being tortured and killed and persecuted by the disbelievers. We make this dua. But never should we take a position that all of the people are being punished. We don't know that. We don't know that. And we should have, you know, good thoughts about our brothers and sisters in Islam. Yeah. And make dua for our brothers and sisters in Islam. Now, so the Shaykh mentioned how this deen is magnificent. And this is an important point for our sisters to understand. That Islam is a magnificent way of life. That Allah has guided them to the best way of life. And because Islam is magnificent, this makes them magnificent due to their practice of Islam. But if they leave off practicing Islam, this will take away that honor and that magnificence from them. And then this will make them to become low and inferior because of their disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the statement of the Prophet sallallahu wa that Islam is superior and it is not inferior, that's the deen itself. And also it can be for us when we are practicing the deen. Like belittled, lowly, have no like value. Superior, this is better. Now, the Shaykh mentions the deen of Islam, which he is pleased with for his servants, which he completed for them. And he doesn't accept any deen other than Islam. Understand, my noble sisters in Islam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased that Islam is your way of life. Don't leave it. It's the only way he's pleased with it. Don't leave it ever. Don't give up your deen for nothing. No matter how many times you may fall short, you may slip, you may sin, don't give up your deen for nothing. That is your salvation. It's time. Fadlan.
So the Shaykh mentions the deen of Islam, the deen of Allah, which Allah is pleased with for his servants. The deen of Allah, the one he has completed for them. Allah has made this way of life a complete way of life for us. The deen of Allah, the one which Allah doesn't accept any other deen, except for that. It doesn't accept any other deen besides Islam. And then he mentions the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَسْمَمْتُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَةِ وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمْ إِسْلَامَ دِينَ Today, I have completed for you your religion, and I have perfected my favor upon you, and I am pleased for you, Islam, as your deen, and your deen, your way of life. Islam is a way of life, complete way of life. Indeed. This is what Allah is pleased with for us. And this is, a, this is a completed way of life and a perfected way of life. And Allah describes it as being a ni'mah. So the Muslim sister should understand that she's, she's truly blessed. So when somebody asks a Muslim woman how she's doing and she says, I'm blessed, she indeed is truly blessed. She has the right to say that. Because she is following the best way of life. Allah has guided her to the best of guidance. Allah has guided her to the most complete way of life and the most perfect way of life. So the Muslim woman should take honor in this, knowing that she is upon the correct way. And never allow anyone to convince her that her way of life is other than the correct way of life. When someone is calling you away from Islam, sister, Look at what they're calling you to. They're calling you to indecency, evil. They're calling you to shirk, kufr. They're calling you away from tawheed. They're calling you away from iman. They're calling you away from al-bir wa taqwa. Why would you give up tawheed for shirk? Why would you give up Iman for Kufr? Why would you give up Ifa for Fawahish? Why would you give up your chastity for indecency? This is not a fair exchange. This is robbery. If you give up your deen for what's being offered to you from the dunya, you're being robbed. You're being stripped of their blessings. Don't ever give up your deen for anything in this dunya. No man, no riches, nothing is worth you giving up your relationship with Allah for. And at times, unfortunately, we hear stories of like sisters apostating from the religion just so they can be married to a Christian man. SubhanAllah. Stand your ground. Let him be the one 
to get himself together to be with you. Why you have to sacrifice your most precious prized possession and stoop down to the level of a kafir in order to be with the kafir under the umbrella or under the banner of love. What kind of love is this that makes you give up your most prized possession? The most honorable thing you have in life, love makes you give that up? What kind of love is that? It's not good love. True and good love would be that you stand your ground and you say, like Um Salama said to Abu Talha when he wanted to marry her, it's not allowed for me to marry a kafir. If you want to marry me, you have to accept Islam and that will be my dowry. That's love. True love. That's holding on to the principles and that which Allah has given you. You don't give up your deen for a man. Because on the day of judgment, he's going to run away from you. And now you're in front of Allah. Where's this man that you sacrificed everything for? And I'm saying everything from your deen. Where is he? Is he going to come and say, no, Allah, don't punish her. I'm not going to allow you to punish her. Punish me. Huh? He's going to have that chivalry on that day. He's going to be running and hiding. Right, get away from me. You won't blame him. It was his fault. No, I didn't tell you to leave Islam. Come on. like It's not worth it. No man is worth giving up. And, you, and this is happening. This is, it's, it's, you know, it's happening. Our Muslim sisters, you know, falling in love with these disbelieving men. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes some of the Muslim men, they are to blame because how they treat the Muslim women. And they think the, the Catholic men treat them better. You know, but this is not an excuse for them to leave Islam and get into an, uh, an appropriate relationship with a kafir. But at the same time, we shouldn't be uh, aiding them and pushing them away from the deen. No, 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 it happens, Sheikh. It's not just an excuse. Some brothers are they oppressive, Sheikh. Let's be honest. It's not an, Sheikh. It's not an excuse. I'm talking about the fact that it happens. However, is the excuse accepted? No, it's not acceptable. The person is wrong for oppressing the woman, but the woman is not justified now to go to a kafir and have a, a relationship with a kafir. That's not justified. Right, but at the same time, the men have to be careful not to push the people away, the woman away. The Prophet said, Bashiru nafiru. Give glad tidings, don't chase the people away. Why would the Prophet say, don't chase the people away if... There's no issue when you do something and your behavior may chase somebody away. Now the Prophet mentioned that for a reason because people can be turned off by your behavior. Even though it's not a justification, but it, it can happen. So to avoid receiving the sin, we have to be careful how we treat the Muslim woman. We have to be careful. We have to take on that responsibility. Now if they decide that they're going to go all the way and have the relationship with a kafir and sleep with a kafir and give up their chastity with a kafir and, and even leave Islam to go and marry this kafir, that's on them for sure. But that doesn't remove the sin from the man who was oppressive to the Muslim woman. This is understood? The man's going to have his, he, he, has to hold, he has to hold his responsibility. But her going all the way out there and going past the... She has to maintain her Islam. If she's wronged in any type of way, she has to maintain her Islam, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if she's able to get her justice from that individual through the right way, she get her justice.
But if not, then she needs to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and get her justice from that. And don't seek relief in sins and disobedience or apostasy. That's not relief. Even though temporarily it may feel good. Even though the, guy, the Catholic guy may be a nice individual. He doesn't hit women. But then the Muslim here it is. He's, he's a woman beater. That's possible. A Muslim man is a woman beater. Here is the Catholic. He doesn't hit women. That's possible. It's not a justification, though. It's not a justification. Because not all Muslim men hit women. And whatever good that Kafir has, alhamdulillah, there are Muslim men who have that good and more. It's not a justification to leave Islam because of a bad relationship with a Muslim brother. Or a bad relationship with family members. Or whatever you know, with our Muslim sisters are going through. You know, of oppression It's possible You know, they are going through stuff don't, We don't deny that They are going through stuff They have real cases shake. I'm dealing with these, this stuff How do you explain operations? I mean, how do you define operations? Say that again How do you define operations? Oppression? When someone is treating someone In a manner that goes against the Quran and the Sunnah yeah, That's oppression If our sister says Okay, I have a right to go out and watch and I Sheikh, we're talking about oppression We're not talking about a sister Who wants to be out and about Liberation this we, Sheikh, we're talking about real life situations, not make believe here. Real situations of brothers abusing the sisters. Right. This is what we're talking about. Not the sister brother, he's trying to keep his family together, he's trying to protect his wife so he doesn't want her going certain places. Not that. That's not oppression, Sheikh. That's him fulfilling his responsibility as a man to protect his family. But those real situations where fathers are oppressing their daughters. Right? Family members oppressing their family members. Husbands oppressing their Muslim wives and stuff like that. Well, I had a, there's a case I was dealing with in Manhattan. The sister came. She said she was married. She said she's married. Yes, under certain circumstances with conditions. But what if a woman is single? She's a widow. Nobody takes care of her. Now what? She has to work. Okay, what if the man is a lazy bum? What if, okay, you have that in your community, Sheikh. When I say your community, I mean from your ethnic background. You all come from generations of Muslims. What about the African-American sister? She has no Muslim family. She accepted Islam. She's the only Muslim in her home, in her family. No, I'm trying to show him that. Right, so I'm trying to show him that you can't just blink and say no, a woman can't do because she got family. No, every not every Muslim woman has family. Some of our Muslim sisters have accepted Islam, and their family have disowned them, kicked them out of the homes. Don't wear that in my house. If you're going to follow that religion, you can't. You don't live here. Not in my house. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. This happens. These are real life situations. So now she gets married to her brother. Okay, the brother's taking care of her. But then the marriage doesn't work out. Or he dies and she's a widow. The community, we don't have enough funds to take care of her on a consistent basis. We can give her some sadaqah, some zakat, but then that runs out. She needs a consistent situation. So what, she can't work now? Or we want our sisters to go down to, to the kufar and the welfare begging them for, for a handout? 
I understand that sometimes that's necessary, but I'm not trying to, I don't, I'm not belittling any other sisters who are getting public assistance, but you have some sisters, they, not, they don't want to put themselves on that level, not out of pride, but they'd rather know, let me go work. Let me go find me a nice halal job. You know, I'm, I'm covered. I'm following, you know, the legislation of Allah. I'm not mixing with the men. I'm not compromising my deen. I'm going to go work. What's wrong with her working? Yes, for sure. We're not talking about sister taking off her hijab. You know, no, 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 no. Well, Allah says, Whoever fears Allah, Allah makes a way out for every difficulty. Right? Every, and Allah provides for the person from where they didn't perceive the provisions will come. So a sister who's in a situation has to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and believe the provisions will come. And whoever puts his trust in Allah, Allah is sufficient for them. That's for men and women. But understand the dynamic here, Shaykh. From amongst the Americans who accepted Islam, many of us, our families didn't accept Islam with us. We are the only Muslims in our family. We are the first generation of Muslims in our family. You brothers, Allah has blessed you brothers to come from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and generations and generations of Muslims. You have a family structure that we don't have. Please understand that. Okay, y'all come from homes that were not broken homes. Many of us here in America, we come from broken homes. Father gone, mother raising us. So sometimes, mother gone, father raising Most of the time, the father is gone, the mother's a single mother. The mother's mother and father. That's rare in your, in, in your community. Not saying it doesn't happen, it happens, but that's rare in comparison to the ratio here. Okay, so when we accept an Islam, we're coming into Islam by ourselves with all of our baggage. Right? All of our baggage. <laughs> All of this shit. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Because we don't shed that stuff the first night, the first Ramadan, alhamdulillah, everything is gone. No, it takes years to get rid of some of this stuff we have with us. Whereas you all, Barakallah Fiq, and, you know, and, and I envy you for this in a, in a good way. Alhamdulillah, y'all came up in Islam, probably your grandfathers were imams and masjids and shiuk in, in your villages. And taught you our Quran from when you was three, four years old. When we was three, four, we was listening to Michael Jackson and music and stuff like that. No Quran. Right? So you have a different situation than we, a different dynamic than we have. So sometimes what may go for you all and how when a woman is divorced, she can go back to her father's house. Like in the time of the prophet, he was married to a woman and he went to go to approach her and she, she uh, sought refuge with Allah from him. And he backed off him and told her, go to your family. So she goes back to her family. Right? Or I think there's other narration, he's seen something on her that it, it wasn't pleasing to him. So he told her, go, go to your family. Return to your family. Okay, she had a family to go to. Yes, they, you know, she has a family to go to. Now the African-American sister or the American sister who accepted Islam, who went against her whole family, went against their history of Christianity, opposed everyone, grandma mad, grandfather mad, father mad, mother, father ain't even take care of her. He mad because she became a Muslim. He ain't been there. Where'd she go? She has no one to go to. 
احسن الله اليك she has Allah right she has Allah and she has to believe that she has Allah and she as Allah says fattaqullah mustata'tu fear Allah to the best of your ability she does the best she can so this may mean she may have to work do we want our Muslim sisters working in these in, in corporate America in these places? No, we don't want that for our sisters. But not every sister has is afforded the, the opportunity and the ability to, to remain home and be taken care of and the likes. And then, I mean, some of our sisters are entrepreneurs. They have their own businesses, and they they're very keen and they're very you know sharp business minded women. And how I many are they established? They're financially established. So the, the, every, you know, the, the scenarios are different, Shaykh. Yeah, the scenarios are different. Well, who brought them here? Huh? Who brought them here? Yeah, but you see... No, 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 let's, no, no, don't skip the question. The sisters who, that you're talking about now, and this is not all of our sisters, yeah, who come, come from Muslim countries, and they get to America, and now they're free as a bird. Who brought them here? Ah. <laughs> I know. You know I, 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 I deal with these cases too. Who? Who brought them here? Right. Who brought them here? Right. Soon as she got, soon as she got here, she said, "I got it from here, brother." Right. <laughs> or they wait till they get the green card, and they don't need you no more. Right. That, that happens. Happening every day. I, I, listen. All the listen, Sheikh. Well, Sheikh, and I hope the brother doesn't get mad if he's listening. I'm not going to mention who he is. I had dinner at the brother's house. Beautiful dinner. I know him and his family to have a beautiful relationship. We came to the masjid. We had class. Nice class. Alhamdulillah. He's like, yo, I'm going to take you home. On the way back to his house to get a phone call. I remember the person said, what you mean? What happened? I said, this is what I'm hearing about. What do you mean? What happened? Why are you saying this? Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We never had no... What, what? And I'm standing like, what's going on? Are you, everything all right? He said, oh, she left. Yeah. I said, she left? Now he said, you sure? He said, sure, she left. I said, no way. So we went to the house. All her stuff was gone. And he, the brother's trying to figure out what happened because he never had an argument with her. He never had problems. They had a beautiful day. He wasn't abusive. He, he took care of her. He was a good, he was a good brother. She know that. And I, I was thinking, like, what can, I said, shit, did, I, I, I said, I said, did she get a green card? He said, let me check. He went and checked something. Sure enough, she just had got a green card and she dipped. She dipped. That happens. Imam, I go to family court, and 99% of all these cases are like this. Unfortunately. So, but at the same time, and he didn't bring her here. That wasn't the case because he's American and she's not. But sometimes our bro the brothers bring their families here, and they bring them into the fire. Like, you, come on, who you blaming? Yeah, some people don't have no business being here. Go back home. Some people don't have no business being here, right? And they come here and they lose their children, they lose their families, and then, then they, they want to blame everybody. What happened? Look at yourself. You're the one who brought your family here. You know? Can I say something? Yes.
This doesn't apply to everybody. Don't nobody, <laughs> don't, don't nobody take, don't get those, t- nobody take it personal, okay? Okay, I just, just knew I want to put that disclaimer out there. A lot of family Muslim families come to this country and they have kids that are Muslim and just go the Because the society is not conducive. What I'm trying to say is the problem is the foundation. I agree. I agree, I agree. But you cannot, I agree with you, Shit, 100%. At the same time, you cannot deny the effects of the society that have on the people. This is why the, the, the scholar told that man who killed 99 people, then made it 100, you have to leave from that land that you are in. It's an evil place. You have to get out of there and go to this other land where the people are worshiping Allah. Society has an effect. Sometimes you become a product of your environment. And some of the sisters, when they get here, they know, they, they find out about the laws here and how things are. Right, on speed dial. On speed dial. Right. And they know, like, okay, you can't call my father on me. You can't call my uncle on me. You can't call, because I'm going to call John Law on you. Even if you didn't do nothing, they're going to make you get out the house. Back home, she can't do that. So there's definitely some, 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 some things that are different, and especially when family is there. And, but here, that's, that's stripped away. So now she doesn't fear Allah, she'll take advantage of that, especially if that's what she wants to do. She wants to live the American dream. But maybe it's your fault when you had the satellite back home and let her keep watching Beverly Hills 90201 on, on the... Um, Back home in the country, say I want to go to America. You know, I mean the accent, but I want to go to America. She want to live the life. And you say, you know what? We we want to go. Are we? Are we going to take a trip there? We want to go for a better life. And she comes for a better life for real. That happens. I hear the brothers complaining about now their wives are working. They don't want to listen. The brothers are complaining about that. Brothers who come from Muslim countries, they complain that these are the sacrifices you made for the American pie. How does it taste? How does the American pie taste? Allah help us. Make dua and guide our families and keep our families together. But these are the realities. And the scholars, they mention this about people when you want to go to a non-Muslim land for work, there are conditions that must be in place. Not just everybody can just come here because not everybody has the ability to withstand what's going on here. Some people come here and lose their deen. It's not for you. So people, you know, so some mistakes were made. People didn't know better. They found out the hard way. Okay, so now how do we rectify it? We have to start by doing good from here on out and start by trying to fix the situations and make better decisions in life from here on out. Barakallah. If you can thank you, brothers, for your input. This is very important and, and, and helpful. Jazakumullah khayyam. Subhanakallah. Muhammad. Mashallah. Allah. Ilaha illa. Antastagfirullah. Antastagfirullah.